This week's episode is brought to you by Pierre Maguire's embarrassing crush on Ryan O'Reilly. Get a freaking diary or something, dude. Nobody needs to hear all that. Safe to say this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Seth, and you're locked into what might be a little shorter episode of Burgundy Radio for April 26th, 2021. Coming up on the show, the Avs come back from COVID and to play only two games uh, against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, one goes better than the other. We'll get into that before we do. It's time to meet you disinvited voices for the week, as always, Earl06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. As always, Tiger Vixen. Hello, Jackie. Hello, hello. On Thursday, Avs win 4-2 over the St. Louis Blues. Goals from Brandon Saad, Andre Barakovsky twice, and Pierre... Pierre. God. I guess his name is Pierre, but I, I'm not trying to say Pierre. I'm trying to say P.E. Belmar. Uh, this is into the empty net. Devin Dubnik made 25 saves here. Maybe the most important detail is the team are without Miko Rantanen because he found himself in protocol for a COVID contract, contact trace. Uh, hopefully he'll be back soon, and hopefully my tongue will be untangled soon. It was a bit rusty. Yeah. Especially early, but we expected that. And But the Blues are rusty as well, which sort of was an interesting development, even though the only game that they had played during the Avs whole break was a loss to Arizona. So they were sort of in the same boat, even though obviously they'd been able to skate and practice together and all that. But it did help that at least the Avs' rust was matched with their rust, and then both teams kind of warmed up at the same rate, I think. I definitely do remember the beginning of this game being much worse than the end of it. Yeah. I mean, we're we're a second-period team and all that, but, um, you know, you figured it was going to be like that. This is... It it was just a classic rust game. Um, It it wasn't all that memorable. It it was notable just for the absences. They're like the absence of um, good play? Yeah. (laughs) There isn't. Well, I mean, this is how rest games go. People pick, take their stick-to-stick passes and instead put them into skates. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There were some nice goals, though. The Saad goal was really pretty, and so were the Burakovsky goals. So, so, I guess it was nice to see Burakovsky do that on the... replacing Miko on the top line, and... Sod still, I believe that's the game where he got the really nice pass with Jost. So yes, Tyson Jost g- had a very nice two games. He's had it. I think he. I don't think he got a point in the last game, but he had a five-game five point streak going for a guy that had like no production. For him to have a five-game point streak, that's that's pretty crazy for Jost. Yeah, that's all right. So. so um, I kind of figured it out. Sod is sort of like Colin Wilson, but better. So, and I remember that Jost had some interesting chemistry with with Wilson back when he still existed. So, um, it kind of makes sense that that works. So, I guess people could kind of look at it as a demotion for Sod, but if you can really make that third line work outside of random Donskoy magic, then 
then you really do have an advantage. And I think that's kind of what showed in that first game against the Blues is that when you can get your your third line and sometimes your fourth line rolling against, I think the fourth line had success against the Blues in that game last game before the pause. Remember how stupid O'Brien randomly got two assists in that game. They like they had the fourth line rolling and so <laughs> the <laughs> the the third line with Joe and Saad have been rolling against the Blues. And so it's weird because we're in this this strange series of playing four against the Blues. One was before this pause. Then we had the two games. So it is really a continuation of the same thing. It's just in a really different way. But so yeah. game two of this whole thing is is what I'm trying to say is a continuation of what happened in the first game, even though that was a week prior. Yeah, because game two was on Saturday afternoon as the Avs fall 5-3 to three in a really strange rematch with the Blues. Kel McCarr and Gabe Landeskog both got on the board in the first three minutes. Nathan McKinnon outed a power play goal in the second, but a bunch of god-awful turnovers and god-awful bounces just doomed this one. It sort of felt like they were due, though. It always seems to happen on national TV game just because that's just our luck. And you could kind of look at it as three different stories. The first game, the, the first period was the stupid mistakes, which Bednar said that they gave him like 10 scoring chances, which is a lot for the Avs. It's a lot um, for anybody. Yeah, but they also created yeah. a lot of their own. I mean, it, it, he he said that they were basically playing end-to-end firewagon hockey. Because, I mean, I, what the Avs hit four posts or at least three. In the I know they had two at period. the end, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then the second period was the Avs playing their game, which I don't know. I don't know if now is the best time to ask or later, but why are they a second-period team? Or we can think about that. And then the third period was the stupid penalty. And you could say the way the Blues are playing that it's dumb that the Avs got those penalties called, but then the one that Burakovsky drew at the end was a bit odd or cheap. So I guess that was the even-up call. Tripping a guy that was already falling down. Yeah, the, the, the officiating in this game was normal bad. It wasn't anything to write home about the, the i think the the main like luck based thing from this game was just that the Avs had no shooting luck at all they hit post like four times it's funny yeah. when i go through the i like to sometimes go through the getty pictures from the games and there's all these pictures of like the blues holding the abs it's pretty funny <laughs> it's funny when you see those penalties in the pictures and it's like yeah good job calling them but <laughs> I know. I this game you don't is not the officiating excuse. I also don't think it's the bad luck excuse. Like, yes, they hit a few posts, but it wasn't like. I think the only game that maybe that they could use that against was that one against Anaheim, where they just couldn't buy a goal. That was the bad luck. Like this game was not bad luck. They they earned a lot of that bad luck. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you go up two like that early, it's it's tough because it's like, you know, we've seen when they go up early, sometimes it, it's hard to 
find where you need to be to to maintain the lead or and maintain momentum. Um, just because the other team starts pressing like it's you know the second half of the game right away. It just you know it's tough to get into that groove, <clears throat> and they didn't handle it very well. Um, you know it. I I don't know what Taves was thinking when he shot the puck past Dubnik. I mean that was just bizarre. Um, it was. But it's like, <clears throat> but the but I mean the start so of that hard. play was McCarr just got beaten so bad by O'Reilly in the corner. Well, McKinnon uh, was the one that got beat first. Then it was McCarr. Yeah. Then Taze swatted it into the net. And it's I, I get I mean I'm I'm glad they didn't ask him what he was thinking, but I would like to know. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you got to think he was just trying to clear that puck towards the inboards. Yeah. Well, and or he was he was like trying to just guide it right to Dubnik so he could cover it because it you know things were going a little haywire. That's not the best Maybe. idea. Not the best um, idea. Right. You know, <clears throat> but, but <laughs> regardless, I mean, it's just, um, you know, you don't see that every day. Um, but it's, <sighs> I, I think if you watched McCarr's interview after the game, he was really down on himself. And, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I kind of agree with, with, his assessment of himself, himself, himself. God, where am I? North Carolina. Um, <laughs> uh, but he was, you know, he was taking, you know, he was taking the blame for the first three goals, basically. Um, and you know, you could make a case that that you know he was, you know, he was he was not playing great there, and he had a couple other really bad plays throughout the game, given grade A chances that that didn't go in, and. In, you know, I, I can see him not being happy with his performance, uh, and that's you know, I'm sure it's okay. frustrating for him. I think it's okay, and I think he's he is both one self aware and two genuine. So it doesn't bother me when he gets like that because I think I I feel it's authentic. Yeah, he's not going to mope, right? Because <laughs> he's he's the kind of guy that uses that to fuel him. Like he can get pissed. And take it up a notch. And I also feel like it's not deflecting because a lot of times when guys get like that, it's it's defensive and it's deflecting. And it sounds great. And it makes a great quote. And reporters can put it on Twitter. And it's all great and wonderful. But it's all bullshit. And I don't feel like that is the case for Makar. So I like that he takes ownership of it. It certainly wasn't all just him. I think Graves helped on at least two of those as well. But <laughs> but um but he he takes it and he turns it up a notch and i know that you've mentioned it, it that's more offensively which they also need from him yeah. but in general he can be better defensively not just talking about last night but probably this year if we're being honest we, we wanted to see a little bit more from a car defensively yeah, and it, well, it's 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 his play without the puck, and it, sometimes it's you watch him and he's just like, I don't think I should be here. I should probably be ten feet that way, and then something bad happens, and it's you know, <laughs> and it, you know he he still is very young in his NHL career, so it's like you're gonna be learning, you know, like Sam was it, when Sam was at this point, he was still learning these things. Like, yeah, I should have been ten feet that way. 
Um, and it's just a process even, you go through. He hasn't even played a hundred regular season NHL games. Right. Kind of crazy. I was looking at it. McCarr is actually still waiver exempt, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of crazy to think about because he hasn't even played enough NHL games to make him waiver eligible. Which yeah, exactly. But yeah, you're just right. drives it, home the point of just how young into his career he is. Yeah, when when you're when you are that young into the, into your career, there are going to be just a lot of those images that precede unfortunate events, and we saw a couple of those on Saturday. And but he certainly has the ability and is working towards being a good defensive player. It's not the whole narrative from before he turned pro where it was like, well, he's never going to be good defensively. Like, that's bullshit. Yeah, because in the, in the same game, we no. saw him just, like, completely steal players' lunch money a couple of times, too. Or just like, yeah, here we come into the zone, and there goes McCarr with the puck. Oops. <laughs> like, that happened more than once. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's it's one of those things that when you see a guy with that much talent offensively and moving the puck out of the zone and through the neutral zone and stuff, you know, just to see him struggle like he has this year in the defensive zone at times, um, you know, it's, it's something we should expect. And, and you know, it, it'll get better next year. And, and, you know, two or three years from now, you know, he'll be amazing. Um, but it just, you know, Jackie's right. He's still waiver exempt not even hit the threshold so he's just not that experienced gonna take some time um i don't know really how much there is to get into with these games um so before we double back and make sure that we've touched everything let's talk about who wasn't there um yeah the avalanche without miko rancinen um he was the last name to end up in covid protocol um, and that's just because, uh, it came out like randomly through, I think it came out through Bednar the next day that it was a contact trace. He yeah. wasn't actually sick. Like, yeah, you let everybody think that he was sick for a whole day for no reason. Like, I guess it, I guess it technically doesn't matter if everyone thinks he's sick, but you could, <laughs> you could avoid a lot of discourse by just saying due to contact tracing. Well, it's just, that's all it takes. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah, fans. You know, we care about Miko the guy. guy as well as the effect that's going to have on the lineup, you know? I mean, it's like, we, we, we want to know these guys are all right. And I realize you're dealing with health disclosures and stuff like that, so maybe they aren't as forthcoming. As... Well, <laughs> information itself is nice. It's Yeah. <laughs> Amazing how that works. Yeah. But these, you know, you could definitely feel Miko's absence. And it's not a reflection on Burkowski. Burkowski's a, a different player. Um, he's I, I done think okay he's, in that role. Yeah, too. He, he's finally, he finally looks a little more comfortable in that role than we've seen him in the past. He's had, and, you know, that's a good sign. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe just going through this, this handful of games, we hope. Um, you know, that might allow Bednar to play with the lineup a little bit um, in the playoffs if, if need be. You know, he doesn't have to be married to, to the three-headed monster 100% of the time. Um, but it's, you know, you, you miss Miko because he's such a force and he does so many things. It, you know, 
some of which you notice, obviously the goal scoring is gone and he's the, the top goal scorer on the team, but you know, the, the things like his zone entries and, and being able to carry the puck through the no. neutral zone and just, you know, his play behind the net, setting up guys. Um, well, you comfort just, you on have the to power play differently. Instead of him. Comfort yeah. on the power play. Hey! Instead of him. Yeah. Can, uh... I would unironically rather than have Liam O'Brien on the power play. Yeah. That, Honestly, that is not I, a joke. I, I could think of about 15 other guides that I'd rather see on that unit than him. And you look at the Avs shots on the power play from yesterday. It's like, you know, Comfort has two shots. Mac has two shots. Gabe had one. And, and of course, McCarr scored. Um, and that was it. So you're looking at that like you guys were setting up JT Comfort to be your trigger man. And, you know, you, d you don't see something wrong there. Hey. And it's like Bednar had, it seems like, seen the light with Comfort. He was on that fourth line. He let go that Comfort had to be on that third line. He finally split him up from Joe's. And, you know, he was doing okay on that fourth line. And it's like, that shouldn't be the guy that, hey, we need a top six forward. Who should that be? Oh, I know. Let's use JT Comfort. Like, where does the logic train lead to that? Okay, I'll, I'm going to go with this one a little bit. I think that he's, I, I think the coaching staff has been really pleased with, with mainly the chemistry between Jost and Saad recently. Um, but I think when Nuke was with Jost, that was a really good line and very diverse. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, so I think that the, the second line it was either a little bit of a sacrifice or I, I think he might have wanted to try to have a shutdown line with Carl and Kadri and Comfer. And, um, but, but see, here's the other problem: is Kadri's been a problem, and that's a gigantic miscast for Kadri. That's not who he is, right? And it's you know, and Ben like, even like Carl's to... changed a bit in the last two years as well. He's nowhere near as fast. I mean, he he wasn't fast before, but he's just been glacial the last couple games. <laughs> um, you know, and I hate to you know. I, I like Carl a lot. I think he's a good player, but it's just he sticks out like a sore thumb because he just can't get to things. Um, I'm I don't just think... not sure where the I, I'm not sure where he is is where he needs to be right now. Yeah, I don't think he's been a negative, but he really hasn't created anything resembling offense. Like he did have that one time, one where maybe he was trying to do the Forsberg or something. Yeah, like he's weird. had a couple chances, but outside of that, he's not even really like creating. He's not playmaking. And it's that it's also just a bad line too. You have Comfer who's been terrible all year. You have Kadri who's been terrible for at least a month. And then you're bringing Carl back who he's definitely going to play more than a fourth liner. I mean, let's just be real about that. Even when, hopefully they get guys back, but uh, it's just, yeah, it's not working. And I agree the, the that you need thing... to keep like at least sod with Joe's. I don't know that 
you absolutely have to have nuke there as well. That's probably what I would do. I know you'd say like, okay, well, options are limited. What are you going to do with these guys? All I know is nobody is talking about taking Tyson Jost off the third line. Just ask Benner. No. Yeah, and they shouldn't. And it, well, and it's 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 great because all right, it, when I said they were sacrificing the second line, it's because they're kind of sandbagging with Jost line. Like that line, I don't know where they ended up, but it, I think after the second period, they were like plus eleven, minus two in shot attempts. I mean, they were just killing it. <clears throat> um, so it it could be that's the thinking. Like if if we have a third line that's gonna kill St. Louis's bottom six, um, we're gonna be ahead of the game. I know what you're saying, and just as long as your second line doesn't give up a goal, then. You don't really care right this second if they're going to score a goal. Yeah, I guess that's a role you could have. It's just that's not the role you need Nazem Kadri in. (laughs) But yes, exactly. That's that's kind of the problem. Like, uh, Kadri needs to get going. He needs to get going before the playoffs. So, um, you just you just Kadri doesn't really drive play that's the thing like you're if you want Kadri going you need to put guys that are going to help him get going and I think Bednar is getting frustrated with him because he finally admitted it when he was asked and in the third period of the first Blues game that we're talking about this week he actually put Kaut with Kadri which yeah spoiler alert Cowd actually is playing on the team again. Yeah, which, and, we're, and we're definitely going to talk about that. Just fantastic. <laughs> and so maybe, I don't know. So I thought at first maybe it was just a line change thing, but it wasn't. So maybe that's sort of a good line of thinking to mix it up a little bit. But then in the second Blues game, after Kadri took that penalty, he did not play until there were two minutes left in the game. He didn't play for good. And I know he was in the box for some of it, but he definitely wasn't in the rotation for many minutes after that. Bednar really looked pissed about those penalties after the game. (laughs) O'Brien didn't play after his penalty. Graves didn't play after his penalty. And Kadri definitely... Was he didn't play until the empty net? Yeah, right. He oh. didn't play until six on five. Yeah, well, O'Brien's penalty was a no thoughts head empty kind of play. Graves yeah. is just unnecessary stick reaching. Like those yeah. are like, those are very defensible coaching moves. Nasim Kadri got penalized for holding during a, a jostle for position, and that's but that's a it's you... technically maybe a penalty. It's a tough call though. Like it's hard to but punish him for Bednar that. But I think Bednar didn't like what he was doing to put himself in that position. It was how he explained it. It was, it was about how he didn't do the dump in correctly. Yeah. He got, he shouldn't have been behind the guy. Right. To begin with. It was the old, get the puck deep, go to work kind of thing. And instead he's holding the guy. Um. (laughs) He should have never been behind him. To begin with. And it, and and I agree that was a very light call, and I you know I I sympathize with Nas on that one because you know when you look at you know the rest of the game there was quite a bit of that going on the whole time, but um, 
you know, and that ended up pretty much losing the games for game for the Avs. It's like without that, you obviously don't have the Graves penalty. I mean, so it didn't cause the Graves penalty though. Like Ryan Graves can not have his stick in skates. That's an option. No, but without we, it, it wouldn't have happened. Could sim- <laughs> we could simply kill a penalty. That's an yeah. option. Well, it, I think it, it was kind of the last straw. Like, if that's the only thing that you have a problem with Kadri doing, then sure, you're being cheap. But I think it's been a long, it's been a long month for Nas, and that just was kind of indicative of it. Yeah, that's fair. Right. And like we were talking on the Discord last, either last night or this morning, I can't remember, but you know, they've the reason Comfer was in the middle on power play one. Um, is they once they took Kadri off of that, they just they don't want to see him again. It's like they've, you know, they tried Donnie there, Donnie got sick. Now they got Comfer there. They had Sod there a little bit as well. Um, so it's it it doesn't look like Coach is in a hurry to put him back in that spot. Well, probably not until he and, starts burying the puck. Well, and you know maybe. You know, I, I could see the staff feeling like they're, you know, without without Kadri doing that on the second unit, there's just not a lot to work with at this point, which is, you know, that's defensible as well. But, um, you know, again, you got JT Comfer in the bumper slot. What are you doing? I mean, that that's part of the not a lot to work with problem. <laughs> exactly. Like, it, it would be legitimately better to just not have a bumper spot. Do something different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or not worry about your second unit. I mean, they already played thirty seconds of power play, so like, how big of a, de- of a deal is that, really? Um, right. So, th- but obviously, the biggest fix you can make to the power play is getting Miko Rantanen in back. That's that's like the that, that, and that'll just happen eventually. So, I don't know how much tinkering is really warranted there. Um, so he if he's just a contract. Which almost said contract trace again. If he's just a contact trace, like that's just a couple of days on the list, right? Well, <laughs> you'd think. <laughs> is this where I get out my tea leaves? Yeah, if you can, if you can keep your connection solid, give us your, uh, give us your read of the situation. I don't think you can keep your connection solid. I think you're gone. <laughs> I just got a notification. <laughs> I think she might be gone. <clears throat> I didn't get a notification. Yeah, Discord's doing that for me now. Every time someone joins, it goes ding-a-ling. Huh. I, I, I have that turned off. That's right. Because the noise is annoying. I, I turn off like, all those notifications and stuff. So we're going to fill now. time and wait for her to come back. Um... <laughs> Because we've gone into this very seamlessly, so I don't really want to cut it. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not just Miko, like, you know, Grubauer got out of protocol. Um, and so now he has to go through his testing, and once that, uh, his cardiac testing, once once he passes that, he can start practicing with the team. And, and, you know, you'd think that at some point this week, he should be able to get back in the net. Um, please, which would, which would be nice. Please. Um, I, you know, I, I think, 
I think Dubnik has done okay. He's okay. Uh, you missed all of that. I need. I need to like actually. <laughs> missed all of that. <laughs> yeah, everything after tea leaves. Jesus. Not. <laughs> all right. Yeah. This is start over there. What this is. This is I need hubris. To say my piece. This. This is hubris. Is what this is because before the show. My mic was was being a bitch, like it does basically every show when I turn it on. And Tiger Vixen says, well, you've got this nice setup, and if there's something <laughs> wrong with it every time, and I'm just on my iPhone, and it's fine. Hubris. Oh, I, I die at least once a week. It's just a matter of if it, if it changes the conversation or doesn't. <laughs> Oh, this time it erased a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. So yeah. Tell, where I get my tea leaves yeah, out. Yeah. Tell us what you've learned. Okay. Um. Uh, we don't know how long a contact trace needs to be on the list. It's not like it's spelled out anywhere. That that's not know. a thing we've learned. <laughs> that's a thing we have not learned. <laughs> well, we have learned the absence of information, but I guess that's true. If you use William Nylander as an example, who had to sit out for a week because of contact tracing, so you could probably safely assume a week at most. And I don't know if that was enhanced by some of the rules the Canadian teams have to follow or whatever. So it's possible. We are recording this on Sunday before the COVID list comes out, so it's. Po I think it's even possible he could be off the list today. At most, I believe he'd be off the list by Tuesday, which would be a week after he went on. Either way, I fully expect, whether they admit it or not, that Miko's going to be available for that Vegas game. They're going to find a way. The Avs want to win that game badly, and they're going to use anybody available as humanly possible. So, um, it also helps that he wasn't sick. He should have should be able to be working out in his isolation and They'll just play him anyway. Um, Grubauer actually came off the list one day earlier than he should have, but you know nobody tells us anything or any reasons why. I also think it's possible he could magically show up in Vegas, um, but conditioning is going to be a real thing for him. Like Bednar has said, you know, there's no reason to push him, and then he like pulls a groin or something, and and now they're really screwed. So. Maybe the smart and safe thing is just to wait until this weekend when they're back at home and Groovar should be ready by then. But like I said, they really want to be Vegas, so that wouldn't shock me either. And the other one is Byram, who he was off the list already on Monday. He's already been working out. He should have been on the ice for at least three days at this point. So he's another question mark like, how much conditioning does a 19-year-old need before playing? You know, I they wouldn't fly hit just him in, but if they're already firing up the jet for Miko, my delusional hope is that would be another surprise they'd like to spring on Vegas. But I don't know. That might just be me having a rare bout of optimism. I think they definitely want Byram to get a practice with the team before he plays again. Because, I mean, again, like we were talking about, it's it's not just the COVID. It, you know, he was he was skating with the team, but 
you know, he wasn't imminently back in the lineup type skating with the team. So. He was the last two. He was at the the real skate and then the morning skate. Like when you're at the morning skate, you're you're pretty close. So, but there is no team practice. So, so. I was gonna say, what practice when? <laughs> There's not gonna be a team practice. I don't know well, what they're gonna do with. Byron they could have a practice when they're at home. I they. It won't be really a team practice. practice. They and no, they but be it'll home. be more of a practice than just a morning skate. They have four home games left. They are all back to backs. They travel before and after both of them, and uh, two of them are the last two games of the season. <clears throat> well. So I would love <laughs> to know what their criteria is for him getting back in the lineup, like. If he had, I mean, he's already had, on Sunday, he's had at least three days on the ice. By Wednesday, he would have, that would be his, what, sixth day on the ice? I guess it's still possible they could send him to the AHL for conditioning. He Maybe they left him back because the Eagles will be at home on Wednesday. You could possibly say, you know, maybe they'd like him to have a conditioning game. That would then make some sense. And then play for the Avs this weekend, the back-to-back against San Jose. But you're really going to send somebody to the AHL for one game? I hope not. That'd be kind of rude. <laughs> I mean, well, the only alternative is to send him to the AHL for more than one game, which I think that would be... <laughs> the no, Eagles... No, we, we talked about the alternative before the show, remember? It's to put him and Gruby and Miko in the same Chevy Suburban and send him driving to Vegas. Which is... <laughs> is definitely a, a possible hope. It's just, it's how they approach it. And I've always maybe been a little bit, you, some people call paranoid. Some people could just be cautious or skeptical about exactly what they want to do with him. But I think they need him. I think they need, they've seen how this defense plays and they're a better team with him. And they need to get him back into the abs lineup. Yeah, one thing so. that the that has hurt with the app there that has actually kind of helped patch over absences to players like Bowen Byram was good play, good results from Jacob McDonald and guys at that level. Uh, some of the shine wore off Jacob McDonald, and uh, he has been scratched this week in favor of Connor Timmons. He's actually well, hurt. Funny thing, yes, the Avs did not say that he's actually hurt. They threw that in their game note. Which makes sense because Timmons was then an emergency loan and they added, dear God, why, Middleton back to the taxi squad. Stop it. They wouldn't have needed to do. But Middleton has one skill. That skill is sitting on their own goalie. Yes. So, I've actually I've liked Timmons since he's come back from the AHL. Just to throw that out there, I like Timmons when the puck is moving forward, when the puck is moving backwards, not so much. I think he's been better with that this time. Um, he just he, he I, I think he was definitely lacking some confidence by the the end of his his run. <clears throat> um, so. He he just he, he looks a little more with it out there. 
And I know it's you know it's it's he he's always going to be a bit iffy with the puck in the in defensive zone, um, and definitely without the puck in defensive. So, and he's know, still you, you only playing like get with him. eight or nine minutes. It's Bednar hasn't quite warmed up to using him, and and McDonald has. So that's the interesting thing. Are they just not mentioning he's injured because he'd be a scratch anyway? Are they fudging it just so they could get Timmons up on an emergency loan? It's really strange. Like, if the guy's injured, why don't you just say it? It could be better than everybody thinking he's a healthy scratch. But maybe he probably was not going to be playing anyway. I don't know. But he, his, if you look at his time on ice, like in the whole month of April, he only had one game at like 14 minutes. All the others were le- less minutes than that. So he's... Benner's also really not using him either. What if we've read Jean Martineau wrong this whole time? What if instead of being this iron curtain of secrecy, the Avs just really like the drama and really enjoy watching our discourse as we try to figure out what's going on? <laughs> Maybe they think it's funny. It is. Funny. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It's a game. It's certainly a game. It's a game between them. It's a game between the reporters. And it's a game for people like us who who try to find out the information. And it's like everyone is kind of doing this dance around each other. It's cat and mouse. It totally is. All right. So say Byram's ready in the next couple of games. Um... Please, God, please. <laughs> All right, so not only do you, you need to find a spot in the lineup, and you know the, the sacrificial lamb is going to be Timmons there, um, but he's also going to be taking someone's role that's a little higher than Timmons. Hope, um, you know, is is he going to is he going to sort of kick Graves out of top four ish minutes, or it, it seems like now there's they they kind of have Makar and Taves and Sam top three and then graves and nemeth are sort of back a little bit <clears throat> and then you have timmy not playing that much um i'd say probably byron's been consistently around like 16 18 which is a lot more than what the quote-unquote third pair has done so i would expect probably something similar so right that would kind of come in more in that middle tier um because Graves only played like 14 minutes last night. And and yeah, Nemeth played way that. too much in that first <laughs> game. Like, Nemeth played 21 minutes in that first game. And there were a lot of we penalties. You can't do that. <laughs> it was still 16 minutes even strength time. That is way too much for Nemeth. So Nemeth has... I don't remember him <laughs> being as much of a turnover machine as he was this week, the last time he was here. It was like turning yeah. back the clock in a not in a good way. It was like, there's a reason why our defense has evolved past this. And yeah. like, his, and he did his job, which is be an NHL defender and not Middleton. Right. But yeah. we, we could do without the, the muffins, dude. Like, come on. But it, it, it's just like, this team is better than that now. And yeah. it's just obvious when he... He's in there like it, it's almost like they got him because they don't trust Graves that much. But then you're playing both of them at, in the same game. So you kind of just have double the problem. Now you have two of them that do sort of the same thing that you don't necessarily want to play a ton 
but yet you kind of end up doing that. And now there's two of them. Well, the, and the the thing I was looking at is it, it it's not just Nemeth; it's also with Carl. And and I hope that the you know the pro scout the pro scouts and the staff are a little more with it than this. But it you know people like Mosier and Pete were like, oh, that's great. You just plug them right back in the lineup and it's just like old times. And it's like Carl's gotten older and slower and he's just not the same player. I mean, he still can do some things that are positive, um, but it's not going to be like it was two years ago. And, you know, Nemeth has been with another team for the past couple of years. I don't necessarily think he's slower, but I just think the abs have gotten so much faster that it's just so... Uh, different for those guys coming back in. It's just, you know, the team's going warp speed and they're still kind of just plodding along as usual. And it's just, it's it's a lot tougher to for those guys to integrate in the lineup than I think people thought. And and as an additional half-serious <clears throat> counterpoint, why would you want to go back? Yeah, it's... Like, when they were here, the Avs were not, you know, President's Trophy candidates. What? Now they are. Hello. All right. One thing, since those guys have left, the the penalty kill has been pretty much bad, and it's had its moments, and it's it's been better at times. But, um, you know, you can definitely see since those guys have left, it's it's really struggled uh, to find its consistency. Let's say, <clears throat> and and that may be one of the main reasons they were looking at the both of these moves is to try to do something about the penalty kill before it gets out of hand. I don't think uh, older and slower is the way to go. I think the reason when the penalty kill has been good, is when they've used guys like nuke and Joe's to have the puck skill and a little bit of speed. And I know it's, it's speed and Joe's, but the, there's he's, he's quick in certain ways. And I think on the penalty yeah. kill it, that's kind of the quickness that he can provide. Well, it's and like I Nuke think, with that breakaway you almost had yesterday and the guy yeah, had to tackle him. Like, it's like that, that threat helps you inside the defensive zone when you're killing penalty. And I even think like Sam, he's good on the penalty kill because he brings that. He brings quickness and he brings the puck skill that you can take the puck away and and you can clear it. So I don't know that the older guys is the right strategy for that. But I guess they need to try something that's not Comfer and Bill Mare and hopefully they never have to use Kelvin. Yeah, I mean, they're still playing Comfer and, and Belmar a lot, and it's just it's it's not working. I mean, I, I looked at this month on the penalty kill, and there's some you know it's a, it's pretty disturbing. They they're 29th in the league this month as far as penalty kill efficiency. When when you, know, you when like you say letting... penalty kill efficiency, are you talking about shots against, goals against, rates? What's going on here? Like straight percentage. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's, it's so what you're saying is what we were afraid was going to happen for the last two months has happened. Right. And well, some people would what, say it was what just... you especially Steph were, uh, you know, afraid of. Um, like their save percentage went from 882 down to 800. High danger save percentage went down a ton. Um, and it's just some of that is regression, but I just. You know, I, I think also some of it is, you know, people figuring out this is how you beat the Avs PK and they're not quick to adapt. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely something we've seen in, in, in the playoffs that, 
you you can't shut down everything and you can't rely on your penalty kill to to win you games but it can definitely lose you something so um you you definitely want to make it better um you know it, are, are Carl and Nemeth going to do that I mean I hope so you I know, mean, something's got to change. Isn't Nemeth basically the same penalty killer as Ryan Graves? And, like, Ryan Graves is a perfectly fine penalty killer, but you already got one. I think Graves is better at clearing the puck. Like, that's the one thing he's good at on the penalty yep. kill. And he is he's really good. probably better at that than Nemeth. <laughs> it's, he is. Like, so I far. know that I said I liked what they did the deadline. They... they they had felt they had more needs than I probably did, but at least what they did about it wasn't spend first round picks to basically get the same guys. Like, do I think if they had got Felino or Savard, it would be significantly better than Carl and Nemeth? I don't really think so. I mean, maybe those two are a little bit better players, but I don't think we'd be having a significant difference here. So I still think they made the right call. It's just a matter of how do you, you make it work? Over- yeah, you can't just overplay these guys because because of who they were a couple of years ago. And I know Bedner's even said that. He's not going by what, what anyone did years ago. But when you get into a game and you see what the reality is, it's easy to lean on that crutch. And and that's also part of the coaching staff growing is that you, you can't have these crutches. Well, you have to have the right ones. Like, it's not that you can't have guys that you trust the most in these high-leverage situations, just that they need to be the right names. You can't you can't trust them because you know what their play is going to look like. Like, okay, well, their play is going to look mediocre. Now what? Yeah, you have to right. use them as extra players. You have to think of them as extra players and use them as extra players. And that was my big problem with starting Carl on the second line. Cause it's like, he's, you know, I knew he wasn't going to be a second line player and it's like, yeah, you don't want to take Jost out of the center spot on the third. And you probably don't want to put Carl at Jost. Um, When's the last time you know, you, Carl you was a second line this... player? Like, like everyone remembers the 14 <laughs> points tweet, right? <laughs> Correct. Mundo. Well, yeah, and, and it... And we know they have the lineup holes with Don Squint and Miko out, so that's that's part of it. That it shouldn't be like this. But then you know, you also never know. You can't just yeah. assume they're just going to roll on completely healthy either. Yeah, that's going to be the important thing. Is when those guys come back, is like what you know, what what do they do to the lineup? You know, first of all, like hopefully we get rid of O'Brien, who I, you know, I, I haven't hated as much as everyone else. I think honestly, when he has the puck in the offensive zone, he he does some pretty surprising things with it but other than that he's just tragic he had a really good <clears throat> deflection that almost went in and then i think it was comfort that buried it in the last game before the pause yeah and otherwise and that... it's like you said highly tragic and when he came out right. of the box he, had, he actually had that nice pass to mckinnon but right it's they're playing him like six no, minutes. I mean, it's just like that's that's not stuff you expect a meathead to do. So it's like that's impressive. But it's like the rest of his game is really not that helpful. So it's, hopefully he's first guy off. It's obsolete is what it is. Yeah. He's not even hitting that many people anymore. I mean, he's... No. Because you know, by the so time he gets there, the puck's gone. Yeah. Or the fights. <laughs> he and He's had several penalties, too. Like, if we're going to... We don't need to go into it, but yeah. let's just say like he should be the first guy out, and I, you know, I like what Cout's done 
uh, variously over the past two games. I, I think he actually had a couple of shifts in the third period yesterday where um, I was Is really that- impressed. Yeah, his last last shift was probably one of the best, so that's good. Yeah, let's let's right. let's we talk talking about it um, because like it's this is something that we definitely need to address uh, intentionally because we've been hollering for it for a, a, like a year and a half now. Um, yeah, and they finally did did the right thing. I think it's funny that it took Mika going out twice for him to get in the NHL. <laughs> Whether or not that's just pure coincidence or if there's some sort of talent threshold where you're like, okay, you know, maybe we need somebody with a little bit more talent. I, I hope they think maybe of Mika it that doesn't way. like Cout and they can only play him when he's not <laughs> playing. That's, I, I that's really I really hope that they aren't going at this on a talent tier because that means if somebody who's lower in the lineup goes out there thinking, hmm, who can we call up that's not that good? <laughs> yeah or Let's i don't see, think the possibilities are endless <laughs> point. like okay we're, we're missing way too much here but um call up your also, talented players <laughs> i also thought it was interesting that bednar said that chris and joe which obviously are mcfarland and sackick have been watching and it seemed like that was their decision you you, you realize here who was not mentioned Bake. The other AGM. Who <laughs> <laughs> has Grillington? been mentioned quite a few times when discussing call-up moves. I don't I don't know if that means it. And when Cal was called up the first time last year, it. I always joke it was a midnight call-up. It truly was because that's when McKinnon, or, uh, Miko got cut down, I think, by Cernak in that game and ran into the wall. And they call, called Cal up before that night was over. So... Billington was not involved in that decision, and it was something that Sackick made the call. So if Sackick kind of, you know, used the big boy pants here and and decided that it was time for Cout again, I mean, that's good to have support from the guy that matters. It's just, in a way, sad it has to come to that. But, hey, it's happened Hopefully he stays. I understand, especially when they get Don Scoy and Miko back. He probably doesn't have a spot in the lineup, but just keep him. He doesn't need to go back to the HL to play eight more games there. Just keep him on the taxi squad. Something else happens, which it always does, then he's available. Now, playing in the AHL this season is like playing baseball in August on a team that's already out of the postseason. Like, just why? Like he's he's done his thing and the, he's put in his time there. It's just like just he'll benefit a lot more just sticking around with the NHL and then he'll he'll be there when they need somebody and and like his actual play, I think I think he needs more than two games. Like he's gotten better, but he just will get better and better the more comfortable he gets. And hopefully, anytime he doesn't play with like O'Brien, he's just. He's better with better players. And nobody's saying he should play like with McKinnon or anything, but if he was even even in more of like a third line constructed role, you could see what he could do even more. Yeah, let's let's yeah. talk about what he's looked at, about on looked like on the ice. because um, why the one skill that he's had that I've noticed is invisibility. Um, people will 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 say things in the Discord like, Hey, that was a good play by Martin Kelt, and I'll be like, Where? I did not see it. <laughs> so yeah, I, he he escapes my eye almost like he's trying to. 
Well, he, he's yeah, it's, it's, it's the little things he does, like uh, like on a breakout. Or these, he makes these little passes, and so they're not flashy or anything. But he's he's moving the puck forward, and then um, he had a really good setup. I think one of the last shifts he had was to Makar, which set him up for a really good shot in the slot. Which that would have been nice if that was the goal that was scored, but no. Yeah. That was that was I, it was either his last or his second to last shift yesterday, and it was a really good shift. He had a great zone entry, speedy, and then stopped, let the D go just flying past him, and then he had space finally. And that was like one of the first times I've seen um, in the in the two games that he's played this call up that he really had the space and some time, and he sort of fed off that. And that was just a really good overall shift. And it's like you look at that shift. You're like, that's what we want to see from Martin Kaut consistently. And it's like, that's not going to be consistently that way at this point. But you can see that down the road. Um, but every time he does something like that, you're like, okay, he's starting to get comfortable in the NHL. He's gotten them up to the speed. So it's like, you know, now he can start building off things like that. He's good along the boards, too. In the first game, like, he... When the board battle and got the puck back to Sam like two times right in a row, and then I think on the breakouts, I think he hit Timmons with the puck like twice in the neutral zone for a really good zone entry for him. So it's it's like things that move the puck forward, and then if he ever does get it in the offensive zone, he he will be able to create offense too. And I agree with Bednar's assessment after the first game. He said he really liked, you know, what he saw from Cout down low in the offensive zone, working on the boards and things like that. I mean, he was forechecking well and uh, using his speed and size. And and again, that's, you know, he, he's checking off a lot of the boxes that you want to see. And it, you know, obviously, you know, he didn't get a lot of playing time this time, but it was better than the four and a half minutes he got earlier this year. So. And these games have been weird. So like, I get that's, that's part of it. A lot of special teams time, close games in the third period where it's understandable. He's They're going to play the top dogs. And he's even found a few shifts for Cal in the third period of both of these games. So I think that's consistent yeah. with Bednar liking what he sees. It's just a matter of, you know, we need to build from here. Like I think at the end of the day, if, if the Avs keep him, you know, I would still say it's been too long, but, you know, we're not going to flog them for what has happened. If they continue to do the right thing, then he'll be on the right path. But we'll see. Or he could, the second they touch down Wednesday night, they could send him back to the HL. So we'll see. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Please, yeah, just keep him. Not. Just keep him. You'll need him. You you will need him down the road. It might not be this week, but you will need him. And that's like where the abs are at right now is such a weird spot because they clinched the playoffs, which is great. Hey, yeah, they clinched and... the playoffs. We should probably mention that. <laughs> they clinched it up the <laughs> Blues win this week, which is cool, and they still have so much season left. A month. What is it? Yeah, 12. <laughs> I think, what, 11 games? One, yeah, two, 11 three, games. four, 
8, 11. And they, it is, and I think it's going to be tough to get through because we're all just waiting for the playoffs at this point. It's, they, they've done, and I've said, I said this even like a month ago, it was like, they've pretty much done what they needed to do. And now they literally have, they've clinched it. And, and sure, they're still going to try to get ahead of Vegas for first in the division. And as a team, they should have that goal. And those games against Vegas are going to be huge. But a lot of it now is setting yourself up for the playoffs. Like as much as we're just waiting for it, because that's when the games will truly matter again. It's like, you can't look at a loss like yesterday and be upset about it because, Hey, it was only their 10th regulation loss this season, which is incredible. And things happen. Do you think that, do you think that the team cares about the president's trophy? Absolutely. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they should like, they're, they're the competitors and they should, they care more about it than I do. Like this, this year, the president's trophy to me (laughs) is like, why bother? But I'm sure they don't think of it that way. Right. Cause Sackick's the kind of guy that's like, Hey, there's a trophy there. Let's go win it. You know? I mean, it's, it's not, it's not like a super competitive thing. It's like, you know, we're good enough. We can do this. Let's let's just go do sure. it. Sure. Yeah, let, let's sure. And it. Let, let's talk for a second about where the league is at. Just kind of while we're on the topic, three teams have clinched the playoffs. They are the Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Minnesota Wild. You'll notice what hey, division those all, all those teams division. are in. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the worst Vegas, one in hockey. Vegas have seventy. <laughs> Colorado have sixty-six, and Minnesota have sixty-five points. Bringing up the playoffs rear is Arizona with forty-seven. <laughs> and that is an 18 point gap from third to fourth um st louis have 46 points with three games in hand san jose are probably done yeah la's in the same boat anaheim has been done anaheim was done very early this season yeah yeah it, 47 it, our, points. our division is just it, <clears throat> it's really amazing that and I'm still not convinced Minnesota is actually good. Like, where would they be in another division? I don't know. They, they're uh, better this year. I think no, we have to give them fine. some credit. They're, they're, they're getting a little bit of luck, but they're I'm also not, fine. Yeah. I, I think the way they do things is a little bit questionable from sort of the, the way you play hockey in 2021. But in this division, it works fine. But Arizona's um, 47 so- points would be good for seventh place in the Central. <laughs> it would be good for seventh place in the NHL on NBC division, <laughs> and it would be good for fifth place in Canada. Yeah. Well, I don't think Arizona's going to make it anyway. But if the Blues are going to make it, they're definitely going to have to earn it too, because I think they still play us one more time, Vegas twice, and Minnesota five times. I mean, we've just watched the Blues three games in a row. They're terrible. I still do you know, not want to play off series of that. No, <laughs> I don't want to play them at all. But it's, you know, it, people talk about how bad Bennington is, and I don't really think he's even that bad. Like, none of these hasn't... games have been easy, and they've been closer. No. All of the Blues games since, I'm not even counting, like, the first two games, because that was ancient history. But the ones that we've played them since, they've all been closer than we would like. And I... I think that is not the team the Avs need to face in the playoffs. Now, am I going to say they shouldn't strive for first place because of it? No, but no, I think it, there is a legitimate question of how should they approach these last 11 games? How much do you put into chasing a division or chasing a president's trophy or 
how much do you concern yourselves with rest or working on the things that are going to matter in the playoffs? And it's like last night. Well, it's like eight of the games are against San Jose and Los Angeles. It's like you could just trip fall down and win nine of those you know i mean <laughs> those teams are well awful. i mean they have lost against both of those teams so, so, so it, you're gonna accidentally win nine out of eight was that to say exactly that on yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't sure so, like yes they should win a significant portion of those games but it is also still the nhl they've also lost against them but it also, how much does it really matter? Like, even if the Avs have a completely disastrous last 11 games, the worst that could probably happen is they're the third seed and play Minnesota, who I think they're going to play anyway. I don't think between the second and the third seed really matters. I know people are going to say you need to have that game seven at home, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it really matters. I mean, would you like, like it, like to be the better seed than them? Yes, but how much are you going to chase it? I think they're going to chase it because I think they've felt that in game sevens in the past that they've struggled since they've been on the road. If they use that as an, I really truly hope they don't use that as an excuse because it was the problem. I mean, Sackick's even created. said that earlier this year. So, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well the, the real reason to chase points, and this is Hubris too, is uh, once you get out of your division, they're going to reseed based on points. Yeah. Well, it all does matter. Like, I'm not saying none of it matters. It's just to a degree of, you can't have everything. Like, in a perfect world, you'd be doing everything. But there is opportunity cost with every decision you make. Yeah, so, we don't need to be playing, you know, the the cup semifinals or the cup finals game seven in Cleveland against Montreal or something like that, you know? <laughs> I Sure. It would be nice to be the better seed, but for me, I would like for them to address their shortcomings that do tend to crop up in the playoffs. I mean, it'd be great if we're all in this, like, Hey, we're just so dominant. This is going to be great. We're going to win the cup, blah, blah, blah. Well, check and me so if I'm wrong. If they actually fix things, and they'll win the games. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what they should be focusing on is what I'm getting yeah. at. And when you look at last night and you say, okay, it's a write-off for like, you could come up with a list of 10 reasons. And then I'll also agree that the regular season just really doesn't matter that much, but you have to look at why you have to look at your penalty kill falling apart. You have to look at your lineup construction, your usage. You have to look at, you're going to have to win a game like that in the playoffs. You're going to have to, come up with a goal and come back in the third period, which they really haven't had to do a lot of this year. The games that they came back in were all early holes that they dug out of. Like they're going to have to be able to pull a rabbit out of the hat in the third period. And, and when you get an even up power play like that, you have to be able to score on it. I know that we can't complain about the power play. They got two last night. What more can you expect? But it's, it's those three really had three. I mean, Landy's goal was seven seconds after the power play ended. That was pretty much a power play goal. Yeah. Well, I, I still don't even know what happened with that whole thing and Landy getting hit in the head. But, yeah. Um, I don't know so how, it, like, when a, a guy is talking to you and there's blood coming out of his nose, and <laughs> you're like, no, that's only two minutes. See ya. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with that? I mean, we're, I just... we're making it up as we go. You know that. 
Like if you if they have to play the Blues in the first round, it will not be easy. Oh no, won't and be fun to watch they're, either. No. They're gonna have to solve some of these these things. Like we can ride the awesome wave for the next month, and then then reality is gonna come around May fifteenth that we're gonna have to be able to do it when it matters, and that that's what we still have to prove. Like this has been a really good season for them. But you have to prove it. You have to be able to consistently win in the playoffs. And the, those, I'm telling everyone right now, those excuses will not be valid. You have to be able to do it. I mean, I, I, I really do think that playing the Sharks in L.A. so much in the last part of the season is going to be a bit of a help. Because when they were doing so well you know, back in March, I mean, that, those are the kind of teams they were playing and, you know, that's no slight to those teams. I mean, they're NHL teams and they're in our division and it's just sort of who they are. Uh, but that's when everyone started posting every day about how awesome the Av shot differential is and things like that. And it helps when you play in Arizona are... and Anaheim every night. Like, yeah, helps. well, even Arizona kind of figured it out once they, you know, they made a few tweaks, and plus, you know, it's they're they're kind of going for it with their playoff run. Yeah, <clears> the Avs <throat> haven't been as good at five on five lately. Yeah, they no, they most definitely haven't. I mean, they're you know their their shot differentials kind of narrowed quite a bit lately. Um, but it's you know it's it's getting towards the end of the season. They're playing some teams that that want to be in the playoffs, and this is what you get. So. Um, that that's why I think some some slightly lower pressure games are kind of what they need is is they can be competitive and they can work on things and and have some success and and, and that's gonna yeah give that's them a little e- bit of momentum going into the playoffs. That's exactly what I hope for. Like you want to be rolling going into the playoffs. It's not a vacation. It's it is still time to work, but you have to get better at the things that are gonna matter in the playoffs. You, you're going to have to get better at your special teams. I hope they sort the lineup out. They should get better, better at not getting COVID too. <laughs> well, for, for various reasons. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's one thing they could stand to improve on. They need to learn how to take an obvious penalty early in the game and then kill it so that they're owed a power play. <laughs> yeah, that could be a strategy. Put the puck over the glass. Wait about you know, a minute and 58 seconds, put another puck over the glass. Now you're out of five on three. Now you're thinking with portals. It's true. So let's talk about who we, um, who we trust to get us there. Unless Earl, you want to get into why you think, um, the shot differential has, has changed. Do you think it's just quality of opposition or was there more to that? I do. Yeah, I just think it's end of season stuff. I think you know the the teams they're playing are, are a little more competitive than they were um, back when they had a an easier stretch. Um, I, 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 I don't say... think it's a reflection that like oh they were good now they're bad. I think it's just they're the way they were playing was really great to watch, and it's really great to see like you know forty eight to fifteen shot differentials on any given night, but. You know the the kind of hockey they're playing now is 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 more what they need as far as a test. So, I think and, they need to sort out their. They're defense. still winning, so. 
a little bit. I think some of that is Byram. I think some of the best games they played were when Byram played. It was those two Minnesota games, that Vegas game, where some of the last ones where they, they were really dominant against better teams. Um, yeah. I, I think getting him back. I mean, it's been a that. month. You almost forget what it's like to have Bo in the lineup. Yeah, and it makes them better. Like, I'm not saying, oh, he's he's like the difference between them winning the cup or not, but it he does make them better, and he makes the defense better. I, I think they've fallen back on some old old habits, like either playing Braves or Nemeth too much. It's just having a third pair that you can only play for nine or ten minutes. It's just a lot of these same old problems that I think do contribute to some of that. And I really, really, really we're talking next week and he he is like played a game for the abs that that'd be like my wishing well wish please <laughs> please god but um i guess one other final topic i wanted to address is like why do you think they're such a good second period team is there anything that we can put our finger on because i think it's legitimate too i don't think it's just sort of game flow and it all sort of adds up in the second like they visibly they can take a tough first period and they can visibly be better in the second period well i i think that you know it, it kind of pains me to say this but i i do think that Mosier is, is kind of correct when he says that it's it's part of it's having the longer change um that that the abs with their speed are just able to deal with it better able to have shorter shifts like they should have um and, you know any team's gonna have longer shifts in the second uh, just just because you're, you've got the long change, um, but you know when when you're able to move the puck, when you're able to possess the puck, um, you're able to get fresher guys out and and have a a better time of it. <clears throat> so I do think that's part of it. I, I I don't know if that explains everything about it. It's it's really weird. That <laughs> um, it almost seems like they get reset in intermission in that first intermission, like. I don't know if someone says something or I really don't think they're making tactical changes because it feels like the abs have the way they play and it's just a matter of them executing it rather than yeah. so much what the opposition is doing. I mean, Even we've though, said for years that, that Bednar is not an adjustment in-game coach and he really isn't. Yeah. Like short in the bench. That's about the only adjustment he ever makes. <laughs> Well, he's good at figuring out who's hot. Like he'll, it's not necessarily like benching guys. I sometimes it really is. He's going more with who he feels like is rolling. He has a good feel for that, but that's not necessarily like an early second period thing either. That that's more of like third, definitely last half of the game, third period kind of thing. So I don't know. It just seems like they they're more refreshed. I don't know. Is it the orange slices and the Gatorade yeah, that they get I, in the first intermission? And then they're finally ready to, to jump out of the gate. They're more refreshed. I don't know. It is. It's well, the, certainly a it's, thing. The avalanche plays so well between the blue lines um, that I think that amplifies everything that's bad about a long change for their other, for the other team. So like if, yeah. if it's all you can do to get, to get the puck through the through into the red line, it's really hard for you to get off the ice, and so that that makes a team more willing to then just dump it through you instead of trying to actually carry it through the sticks of Nachushkin and Landeskog and Gerard and Makar Taves. Um, it's you're a lot more willing to just punt the puck and give up give up possession, and then our defenders are faster than yours, so we just win the race to the puck. 
Yeah. I mean, this should something... matter in overtime too, huh? <laughs> Just kidding. It, it will when overtime is real hockey and not three on three. Yeah. Let's see who can hold on to it longer. I um, I mean, something to watch for that is how many just sort of look for and I would assume this would probably be in the second half of the second period is how many times the other team gets trapped in their own zone. Um, because that that's where you can really capitalize on the long change. And, you know, I, I want to say that I've seen that a lot, but it just, you know, I don't have any, any proof to back it up, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I'm trying to think what some of those shifts were. Some of them were at the end of periods. So that could be um, maybe a fatigue factor for the other team. I don't know if it was necessarily the second period, but that, um, them having difficulty getting on and off the ice. I could see that that's a reason for it. Yeah, it it's just such a hard thing to hammer down because like, it's, it's just hard to find. Quantify it. Yeah, it, it's, it's really ephemeral. It does seem real enough. Like the numbers are, the numbers back it up, and we're yeah. far enough Even into the NBC season. NBC found them. Yeah, and we're far enough into the season that that's <laughs> not a fluke anymore. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's uh, let's do stars and scratches. Um, who has impressed over these two whole games? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll take the easy one. What Joe? He deserves a star. He hasn't, we haven't really given him a star. And like I mentioned earlier, five point, five game point streak for him. That's impressive. And he really has made that third line better. He's played some of his best hockey. Like he's finally comfortable in that role. And they're actually playing him in probably the role that he should have been playing in for a couple of years. But it seems like it's coming together for him. And I think he does deserve a recognition and a star for that. Yeah, and the chemistry that he's had, you know, first with Donnie and, and now with Saad, I mean, that's good to see. But it's also, it's been with different people. It's not just sort of like, well, there's two guys carrying Jost now and he's taking all the credit or whatever. But, um, you know, he's definitely a part of what's going on with, with what what has been positive about the third line. And I think Nuke is, is definitely part of that as well. Um, but it just seems like the way that they have decided to use Jost and the guys that they've put him together with seem to click really well. I mean, that's really nice to see. I was, Not sorry, I was, I was counting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I was counting because 13 game point streak. I had to go look that up. Uh, one goal, five assists this week. Give a star to Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's fair, especially without Miko. If if we're gonna give Tyson Jost a star for, that's partially based on a five game point streak, we're giving one to McKinnon for a thirteen game point streak. Yeah, I mean six points in two games is. I mean that's okay. Yeah, I mean he he definitely stepped up in Miko's absence. You know that's 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 really why you want to have a superstar. Um. Is when you when you lose another superstar, it, it can get rough. And and like we said earlier, it is kind of funny. It's more on assists than goals because 
I still don't feel like he's really gotten going in the goal scoring department, even though he's had a few really nice ones lately. That one yesterday was okay. <laughs> well, it was awesome. <laughs> it, it was kind of Power off play. of off of uh, someone's heroic butt, so. Yeah, we like that though. I, I'm a big well, fan of he, that. He can he can hit that one time really good. Like I'm not gonna say discount power play because I always harp that it's so important they convert on it. But um, you know what really changes the game is are those sweet five on five goals he gets. But yeah, six points. Uh, it's probably star worthy. <laughs> Maybe. And I'll and I'll give my star to Burkowski. Um This is the. He's he's done this before, but you know I think this is probably the best he's looked transferring up to the first line. And you know obviously the the two goals in the Thursday game were really nice. So yeah, I think he's been well done, Dre. In a way, consistent. Like he doesn't always score, but he's not thought like if he always scored, he'd be a top line player, and he's not. But. I just haven't been frustrated with him this year. I think maybe he's finally comfortable and confident and it's not about scoring every game, but he's just, and I think Ben does manage his minutes. People don't realize it, but, but if you look at the box score every night, Burakovsky isn't necessarily up in that second line. Range. But I think what they've done, what they're doing is, is using his minutes correctly and then he's stabilized a lot more, and he's just well. They're just they're definitely lot. never going to use him in in the game like a late in the third and a, with a lead kind of thing. I mean, it's just not him. <laughs> well, I don't now. think it's necessarily all just about defensive and. No, but he's just not he's trusted. Back like on that. him. Yeah. Well, I think it like all he's not situation. trusted in that situation because he's not trustworthy in that situation. Yeah, I think he's right. been okay defensively. As much as like Kadri and Saad have had their problems, I don't think Berkey's had that many defensive problems. I think I think it's just yeah. an overall acceptance of like what he is and what he can do, and there's just a comfortability all from him, but also like how the staff is using him. So I've been really pleased with him the whole year. I think, and yeah, scoring two goals on the top line replacing Nico doesn't hurt either. So I think we've probably already spoiled two, if not three, of our scratches this week. <laughs> we can we can open the bidding at one Liam O'Brien. Yeah, he's low hanging yeah. fruit, but it, he needs more of a a farewell party rather than a scratch. Get get out of here. Um, and I and I will continue the, the bidding at one Nazem Kadri. Well, that one's just that one's probably the lowest hanging fruit. That one's just easy. He's he's on the struggle bus. No, O'Brien's a low hanging fruit because he's a four liner. Kadri <laughs> Kadri <laughs> is getting close to a real life scratch. Like I think it's possible. Probably not the Vegas game, but after that, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's there's some work to be done there for sure. Do you think his problem is that everyone keeps asking him about Toronto? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, in internet hockey fan spaces, you hear a lot of 
just nonsense. And that is some of that nonsense. Yeah. What is wrong with y'all? <laughs> Go outside. <laughs> they can't. Literally. <laughs> um I'm torn on mine. I, I I know people hate it when I do this, but I I I think I'm gonna scratch my car. Um just because even though he had that wonderful goal yesterday and he, he's been putting up lots of points lately, um you know, what the team needs from him is to be better all around. I mean they I, I think his offense has been consistent enough that it's something you can count on. And the defense is something that makes them have to play around with roles and minutes and even his partner. Um, so I would scratch the whole defense. Like I, they've all had their issues and part of it is, is the usage. Um, They've all had not good moments. Yes, even Sam. And even um, Sam. Oh, yeah. What even a dark Sam. day this is. I'm not scratching. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I no, think I just gonna... I. We had the discussion already about Macar, but it just it. You know, I I think it's it's just one of those things that, you know, when when there's a part of your game that isn't where we'd like to see it and it shows up like it did yesterday, then, you know, that's, that's just sort of scratch worthy. You know, I was, okay. was going to pick Carl, but that's just too. I think he's been okay. I don't, I can't think of like anything really bad Carl's done and he's been okay, but not, not this week when, when he had I his first couple zeros of games last next week, to it his was name. pretty ugly. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think all the zeros next to his name are kind of what's bothering me about Carl, and it, I, I realize that he does a lot of things that don't show up on the score sheet. TM. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it just, I, come on. The I, I'm going to give him another week or two before I give him a real scratch. Just The whole defense has to be better. You, you can't have Nemeth partying like it's 2018. You can't have, I mean, Graves has just been basically bad most of the season. He's had a few good moments, but it I think the pumpkin has happened. He's turned into a pumpkin. I, mean, I file Graves' issues under people notice what he does wrong and the things he does right don't get any, you know, you just don't see. And I mean, it, it, sure, it's like it's being an offensive bit... lineman. You know, it's just like no one's going to notice you if, if you block your guy, but it's like if he blows past you and knocks the quarterback over, you're going to get killed. So... I mean, sure, he doesn't get celebrated for the good stuff he does, like, say, Zadorov would. Like yeah. his his good one on one defense. What about the nineteen good... shifts he didn't get scored on yesterday? You know, but I mean... he truly has has <laughs> has had a lot of turnovers and a lot of poor defensive zone play. Where if they hadn't given him ten million dollars, it would have been like he probably would not be playing all the time. If it were a bunch of other guys that were playing like him. All I know is if he actually ends up losing trust from coaching staff, like y'all kind of implied a little bit earlier in the show, it will take a lot of restraint for me to not be obnoxious. 
So, um, this is the part of the show where I say coming up next week and then read some shit about what's on the schedule. Uh, before we do that, let's talk about what's on the schedule the rest of the season. Um, because Monday they were supposed to be already on their way to Vegas, but that game got moved and we're going to play our last game against St. Louis. Um, Colorado season was supposed to end on Saturday the 8th. Um, instead of that, they're going to play in Vegas on Monday the 10th. And then they're going to have the home back-to-back against L.A. made up on Wednesday and Thursday, May 12th and 13th. I think it's okay. They needed to fill in that week. And I think um, then they haven't compressed any of the other days. So, so like you said, the only thing was that that changed before the 8th was that that, uh, Vegas game got changed to the last St. Louis game. But at least they haven't completely reworked everything and and moved around days off and travel days and things like that so and they needed that last week filled in so i, well, I think yeah for two reasons i mean they couldn't play 11 games in 18 days so that that wasn't gonna work um but they, yeah they I, i'm really glad that someone may die <laughs> they play 11 games in two days but <sighs> I think you're right about having that week filled in is like, you don't want to be sitting fallow for a week before the playoffs. So, you know, being able to play a competitive game against Vegas, which, you know, may or may not determine the president's trophy winner, division winner or whatever. And then, you know, a couple games against LA who, you know, they're, they're competitive defensively, but can't score. So that's, you know, that's kind of a fun prep for the playoffs. Um, you know, it's like they, they won't be just sitting around like practicing and riding bikes and all that kind of stuff trying to get ready. That they're they're gonna have actual matches to play and that's that's a good thing. Going into the playoffs with more rust than everybody else is just not where you wanna be. Yeah. Definitely not. So that's what's coming up the rest of the season. Coming up next week, uh, Colorado finally get done with their season series against the Blues on Monday, 5 o'clock Mountain. Thank goodness. And then on Wednesday, it's a 7.30 Mountain start on NBC Sports against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, then on Friday, the Avs are back at home for a back-to-back with the San Jose Sharks, 7 o'clock on Friday, 6 o'clock on Saturday. And that's, that's how we close out uh, the month of April and get into the month of May. I mean, they usually win three out of four, so that's what I'll, that's what I'll say. Six points. So which one are they going to lose? <clears throat> I don't know. It, it, it's a toss-up between the Blues. Like, are the Blues going to come out like, you know, our season's on the line. We really need this game and, you know, really go for it. Or um, are the Abs going to have an answer for yesterday's game? Um, or is it going to be... They go into Vegas and and are just sort of a little bit on their heels and um, sort of drop one there. I mean, it's been sort of like a a really back-and-forth series with Vegas. Um, I I think whoever wins this game won't win the last game just because that's the way it's gone. So uh, maybe it's better if they lose this one. I think they're going to find a little adversity. What if they lose the the St. Louis and the Vegas game, but then then they'll beat both against San Jose? Well, that would be a three-game losing streak. And, I know. And when was the last It'll time really that happened this season? Button. I know. I know. 
but it has not happened this year, season. It has not. Well, it's the first time for everything. <laughs> They've only lost back to back once, so I mean <laughs> That's what I'm just looking for. It's like when even was that, that doesn't mean that I think of them any less. It was against Vegas and Minnesota in late February. Yeah, it was, it was those two games right after the outdoor thing. I think they do need, I, you know, going through a little bit of adversity isn't terrible. But it also depends. Are they going to get their players back or not? Like, how how long are they going to wait to get any of them back in? So um, I don't think we'll see anybody new tomorrow. No, I don't think so either. Um, like there's hints that O'Connor might be able to play. And I think that just given um, O'Brien's usage in the second half of both of the, these games this week, that, that maybe they might like to have Logan O'Connor in the lineup. And, and if he's ready, like if they skated today and, and he gets the thumbs up, um, O'Connor he's could come possible. in for O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really know a ton about what he has been able to do or not but sure that's possible that'd be a big upgrade it would and then i think there'll be at least one surprise in the vegas game a good one yeah yes a good one. <laughs> yeah let's let's put the monkey's paw away <laughs> one good surprise one yeah, good, good surprise, surprise. <clears throat> we're not we're not gonna say there's gonna be one surprise because that'll that'll turn out to be like <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, things were not going to manifest. We, we we had a string there where it was like what eight consecutive games where someone was gone the very next game. <laughs> that yeah, that was a little tragic. Those were good times, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not predicting that, but like full health should never be assumed. No, like it's no. hilarious where it's like, oh, we don't need to keep these guys around. Though they're going to be healthy, and it's just like. Should just laugh at this point when everyone says that. It's like it's you know, like, hockey's no. a contact sport, right? Yeah, but I, I, I just always I think someone missing. Yeah, but I think the the injuries over the past month and a half have been a lot more manageable than they were during that stretch. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So but... my, my hope is that if you think we're going to continue alternating games against Vegas, my hope is that they win this one this week, um, so they can drop the next one. And then when they have their eventual series against Vegas, they'll be set up to win in seven. Okay, that's next level. All right. You got to think yeah. in the future on this one. Okay. Yeah, I can see where you're getting at. So I, I think that Colorado comes out tomorrow on Monday and it's just like, you know what? That that game that we played last last on, on Saturday afternoon, that that's not us. We actually like don't just give the puck away every five seconds. Um, and they come out and they, they play well and win. I think we get Grubauer back on Wednesday and beat Vegas with him. And I think we have a really obnoxious loss to San Jose on one of those two games. Oh, really? Yuck. They've done that to us once this year. I just, oh, I'd hate to see that again. Well, it is tough to beat a team back to back, but the Sharks are kind of packed it in. If, They're if, pretty bad. If, if we get, if we have Grubauer back, then he will only play one of those games. If we don't, he will play zero of them. Anything could happen. I guess there's um, one thing we did we didn't talk about the goaltending at all, which is what like a first for this I podcast. I did... <clears throat> yeah. Do I, we I see gonna... JoJo at all? 
Yeah, that's that's a good question. Like, would you play JoJo tomorrow night's game? I would if you if they have any intention of playing him. I would if they've really thought of him as like truly the third goalie. Because nothing nothing Dubnik has done has screamed. I've got this locked down. You know. Um, I don't think he's done anything terrible either, but. Oh, I don't know. I don't I mean, know. I would... Some of these goals he's letting in are just like right in the middle of the net. I, I think he's gotten. I think it's less that and more that he's gotten very lucky. Yeah. Well, JoJo's beat the Blues, so don't don't you think it's yeah? He's so I, I, I think... at it. Yeah, that that's that, <clears throat> that's what I was thinking. Like, if you if you do want to use JoJo, he's got history with this team. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'd do it. I just, I'd, I'd like to see sort of, sort of like in a straight up apples to apples comparison, um, you know, how they rack up together, yeah, you know, whether Dubnik is that much better than Jojo. I mean, yeah, know, once, it, once Ruby gets back, I don't think either of them are going to be playing a ton. <clears throat> Um, you know, Not I a think... ton, but probably he's probably going to get more games off than. Well, I mean, there's three back to back, so. Yeah. There's but something's going to happen with those for sure. A few more in right. there, but if it's if it's a competition at all between JoJo and Dubnik, JoJo needs to play this game. And and they've been implying it is. Right. Well, and it should be because. I mean, just in case you do need one of them during the playoffs, you don't want a guy that hasn't played since, I don't know, when, when did JoJo play last? I think that was April 11th. Like so it's like, that? in the, you know, if you go into the playoffs and, and, and JoJo hasn't played in, you know, a month and a half, two months, and you need him, then that's, you know, that's not adequate preparation. Well, I mean, it'd be easy to probably give him one of those back-to-backs, especially the later, like, especially one of those L.A. back-to-backs. It probably would be super easy, even if he's not, quote-unquote, the backup, to just give him one. Because, like you said, if if something happens, you really need to play him. He needs to play the game. But I think just for the actual backup competition, it's not that I'm going to say it was Dubnik's fault they lost that game, but it's just, like, he's had a loss. This is when you would try the other guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's most of those goals are like, yeah, you'd like to see that saved, but all of them are preceded by, "Good God, what just happened?" <laughs> right, but yeah. it's just he's—I he, don't know. Like Dubnik, he's—he's he's really slow, but it's deceptive. I think, I think he tries to you know, get people to think he's slow and then, you know, gets into position. And he also fakes injuries a lot. Like, you know, he bends over at a face off and stuff like that. Like, Oh man, my leg, it's hurting kind of thing. And you know, then he's fine. So it's tough to, see, you know, it's tough to really see what's going on with him. Well, we but, saw a shot. It was either yesterday or Thursday where he was like kind of down and out. And the, whichever blues player had the puck was like on the goal line. I was like, well, I'm going to go for the butt goal. And Dominic was just like, ah, gotcha. I was ready for that. And it's kind of late on it. <laughs> like that, who was it yesterday? I think it was, was it Perron that, that tried to roll him and he just went, bam, did the Forsberg reverse hit on him. That was pretty fun. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's things like that where it, that's not going to work. <laughs> like you, that's, that's not sustainable. 
<laughs> like, those those are some things that are definitely going to fall off. Um, kind of, <laughs> just like how I mean, like he's how is Dumbnick involved in so much so much random shit? Like things just happen. Like, yeah. Like there there was a play in Saturday's game where Schwartz ran the goaltender. He did not get a shot off, and he did not actually really hit Dubnik. <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe Dubnik's the Tim Peel of goalies. I'm I'm pretty sure that um. Nah, never mind. Well, we'll we'll leave that for another context. Um, what what Dubnik actually is. So. <laughs> Okay, so next week is looking like we, we all think it's going to be overall pretty decent. Uh, when it comes to getting JoJo into the net, just to kind of put a bow on everything here, to, to like this the whole show, the Avalanche have clinched the playoffs. If you take a goaltending loss because you're trying to make sure you know where everybody's at, that everybody has some reps and that you're keeping Grubauer, you know, healthy and rested, oh well. It, it yeah, is what it is. Much. It's kind of with everything is is you need you need to do what you have to to get ready for the playoffs. We are in coasting season and you don't want to back into the playoffs. That is not where it's at. But if you if if you lose out on a couple of points here and there in early May because you're trying to make sure your goaltenders are in a safe spot, that's that's good use of 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 your uh of your schedule. Your schedule is an asset here. If if you're Bednar and with the Blues a potential first round opponent you're not going to make any adjustments tactically or strategically for tomorrow's game because it's like, why would you? Yeah, you're going to hold on to uh, those. Right. Um, we don't, I mean, usually I kind of laugh at the saving strats idea, but this is a time when you actually want to. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, they won't have their real players either, so. Yeah, that doesn't help. Although Nathan McKinnon is over there just kind of being like, well, what am I? <laughs> so if they uh if, if we i i kind of am with you i kind of hope we see johansson on monday uh regardless of whether it's him or dubnik again um you'll be able to find out here same time and schedule next week assuming that nobody else gets the goddamn rona four games uh, we all are seem to be predicting pretty good results we will see you then You cannot take NBC's thoughts on St. Louis seriously as long as they have Pierre Maguire on air dotting Ryan O'Reilly's name with a heart instead of a dot on the eye. Well, if you think if you think the division's so bad, then then the Abs aren't as good as they seem. Correct. That's, and that's a problem. I mean, that's the pro- that's the problem. Well, right. Here, here's it's the thing: like... the Abs seem incredible. Yeah. If they're not as good as they seem, they're still a great hockey team. Right. Well, I still think so too. I've you know, I've watched every damn game. Well, that's all right. You you take like like that the charts that people put up in like Colorado's all by themselves, way off in the good corner, and all the other teams are around the mid the midline. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I don't think it's that's the bad. kind of stuff where a bad division is just amplifying. <laughs>